Welcome to the Team Building Podcast, where you'll learn how to build a dominant real estate team in your market. Featuring masterminds with team leaders and mega agents, plus in-depth interviews with operations managers and marketing directors of some of the top teams in the country. You'll learn the latest methods to generate and convert leads, streamline your operations, recruit and train better agents, and raise your profit. And now, here's the latest Team Building Podcast. Hey everybody, it's Matt Johnson. We're back with another episode of the Team Building Podcast. We've got Jeff Cohn, we've got a special guest here today, and we're talking all about uh, a couple of things. We're going to talk about 50-50 partnerships, uh, both in terms of teams and in terms of expansion and how that concept and some things that you might be able to learn from our guest's experience uh, at every level, but especially with her current business in terms of being a 50-50 partner. And then we're also going to talk about the personal development challenges of the transitions between uh, positions like buyer's agent listing specialist all the way up to the broker level and then now at the team owner level and some of the challenges that you have to uh, to deal with when you're moving between those different types of, uh, of roles. So we've got a lot to get into. We've got a really, really good uh, episode for you today. But first, let's bring in Jeff on the cusp of his Vietnam trip with Go Abundance. All Jeff, right. what's up today? Hey, I'm super pumped to be here. You know, I'm very, very appreciative. Every time we have a guest come on uh, to give their time and energy and expertise and knowledge in the industry, it's you know I can't we can't thank you enough for coming on and being on our podcast today. Thank you very much. And I'm really excited, guys, to pay it forward. Anyone out there that is currently in a partnership or is considering getting into a partnership, we're going to talk about the do's and the don'ts. Um, hopefully, find some pitfalls there and give you some really good recommendations that you can apply into your own market as you continue to expand in your city, in your own office, or across the country. That's right. All right, so let's bring in a special guest, Karen Cooper from Leesburg, Virginia. Karen, how are you? Hey, I'm great. How are you today? Very, very well. So just uh, for those that aren't familiar, maybe you didn't catch one of your other podcast interviews, you can give us the uh, kind of a 60-second bio on where you are and what you do and kind of what your what your area is like. Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to. So um, I'm Karen Cooper. I have been in business for 14 years now. I started out as a Remax agent working on a team. I was a buyer's agent initially, moved into the listing specialist role. I did that for the bulk of my time there. Um, spent some time with Century 21. Um, I have really kind of run the gamut in terms of all of the different jobs, if you will, in terms of real estate. I've been an individual agent. I've been on a team. Um, I've been a managing broker. Spent two and a half years as a managing broker. And uh, just a little over a year ago, I uh, went back to the field and now am the co-owner of the Platinum Group Real Estate team at Pearson Smith Realty. And I uh, am loving what I'm doing. Cool. Awesome. All right. And then, uh, so tell us a little bit about the, uh, the area that you work in and, and kind of its relationship to D.C. Yeah, so our office is based in Leesburg, Virginia, which is in Loudoun County. Um, I actually live in western Loudoun County, born and raised here. And we are about 60 minutes outside of D.C. So we are very much part of that whole uh, D.C. metro area. A lot of our clientele are folks that commute into the city. And uh, that, that's, it, it's kind of nice because we're sort of in a mix of sort of like a very rural sort of country-ish kind of area, but we're not far from the city at all. Gotcha. And then how did you first encounter the person that is now your 50-50 business partner? Um, she actually, when I was working on, um, I was on Sherry Wilson's team at Remax uh, way back in the day, and uh, she came on as a new agent. I had been there for about two years, and Vicki, I was actually her mentor. She, she oh, came wow. in to be my assistant. Uh, that was one of the things that our team leader there did. She would bring new agents in, and she would kind of pair them with a, busy or experienced agent as a way for them to learn. And 
We met there. Um, we really kind of stuck together throughout our career. Um, we complement each other very well, obviously, or this kind of thing doesn't work. And uh, so it's been our relationship's been going for about 11 years, I guess, 12. Cool. And so the partnership is only, what did you say, a year, year and a half old? Yes. Uh, we started our team. We launched in September of last year. Uh, so one year, actually, this month. Very cool. Oh, well, congratulations on that, by the way. Uh, so tell me a little bit about how, first of all, just on a personality and a behavioral level, how do you guys yeah. complement each other? Um, so lots of different ways. Um, I am more of, if you're familiar with, you know, Tom Ferry talks about the artist and the operator. And so Vicky is a little bit more of the artist, kind of the big thinker. Um, and I am much more the operator and the get things done kind of person. So um, we both have a, a little bit of both, but we're, we're definitely weighted more one side than the other. And so it works out really nicely. She, um, you know, is a big thinker and dreamer, and I'm the doer. And so having that relationship together, um, it just really works out nicely for us. Very cool. Yeah, that's uh, Gina Wickman calls that the uh, the visionary and the integrator, which I just did yeah. an interview with somebody about that. So I dug into that, uh, digging into his stuff, traction, and and then I'm going to uh, attack rocket fuel. It's, it seems really good. It's it's very what the way it usually works is the visionaries at the top, and then you hire the yeah. integrator. You guys right. have skipped that part, and you get guys are directly partnered together. So how yeah. are things structured in terms of who's making decisions, or how, let, let's tackle that first, actually. Let's yeah. go, how do you guys make decisions? <laughs> so we make decisions together, and um, knock on wood, if I have anything around here, um, <laughs> we, we, so far, we have not had any issues. I mean, I think we just, we have such a great mutual respect and friendship um, for each other and with each other um, that, you know, we, we are able to have conversations about what we think. We don't always necessarily, and we do pretty much agree, um, or we're able to see one another's standpoint. I know it's, it's really kind of rare and strange, but um, all decisions when it comes to marketing dollars, hiring, um, whatever it happens to be with the team, we make those decisions together. Gotcha. Yeah, and so, I mean, Jeff, did you ever consider partnering directly with somebody you know, in that way? And this is what, one of the things I wanted to talk about. If, if one plus one equals five, which it sounds like in your guys' case it does, mm -hmm. then mm -hmm. absolutely a partnership makes 100% sense. Um, I got in the business under my mom and dad. Uh, they didn't have a team. There was a husband-wife group within a brokerage, a local brokerage in Nebraska. And we started the Cone Team uh, mm -hmm. almost 11 years ago. And when I decided to start Omaha's Elite in 2011, we had a conversation about partnership, me and my mom and dad, and they admittedly didn't want to build a team. They just wanted to be agents, and so I started the team, then they worked under me. But this is a conversation that a lot of people are having, and it's a really hard one because people think the partnership is the best way to go because it's less risky. You know, the partners can both go in with their capital investment of, let's say, 50000 each. Um, they can share in the responsibilities if you have that visionary and then that implementer going to Rocket Fuel, which, Matt, I was going to bring up the same thing. I just read that book three days ago. Um, so, you know, I think it's really interesting that you were her mentor, which is awesome, and then you got to find the talent that way. Um, you didn't actually, actually seek out a partner. It just happened. Uh, that's really similar to my story. Now, I didn't go into a legal partnership when we launched Omaha's Elite, but I did find key people to be uh, play the role of implementer. Um, I'm more of the visionary CEO with our team. Uh, but now, obviously, Matt, you, as you know, and a lot, a lot of our audience know, we've leveraged into a lot of different positions that you know, are the day-to-day the -day implementers of our team. But I think it's great. It looks like you guys have made that work. And I, I always tell people, if, it's, if you're just hiring yourself, then that's not the right partnership. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you're hiring someone that's going to complement you and you know, your abilities, then that's when I think the partnership makes sense. 
You're absolutely right. If, if you have two people who are exactly the same, you don't need both of them. And so it, it's really key. Um, and, and you're right, you know, we've heard sort of that, well, one plus one a lot of times doesn't really equal two. It equals like one and a half. And in our right. case, it really does equal more. I mean, it just, it, it, we know it's a rare thing. Um, we were told it would never work. Um, but it actually works really well for us. That's great. And you know, the, the thing that was awesome that you said right out of the gate, and uh, so the audience knows, a lot of times we bring guests on, Karen and I have never even talked before until just today. I don't think we have. Maybe we've met at an event. I don't remember meeting <laughs> yes, you. Jeff, you're just a bad person. You don't remember. But um, a lot of times, what was awesome, the first thing you said is you started off as a buyer specialist, then you went in mm -hmm. as a listing specialist, then you moved up to being a broker of an office for a couple years. I mean, your progression is awesome and such a short amount of time. It's commendable. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the people I've, I've met across the country that have built Megatine's teams and have had a lot of success were at the ground at some point. And there's mm -hmm. agents out there right now, they're hearing about teams and they get into the real estate, they sell 17 houses and they mm -hmm. decide they're going to build a team. Well, how do you lead? You know, and we can talk about leadership later, but yeah. how can you lead someone when you've only done 17 transactions? So I think that's really neat to see how your foundation was built. Yeah. Thank you. All right. So let's dive into uh, kind of the day-to-day -day operations and tell us a little bit about the structure that's built around you guys. Because I know you each sell. It sounds like you're—I uh, don't know how much you list, like limit yourself to listings versus buyers. But yeah. let's let's talk about that a little bit. And what is the support staff around the two of you? Yeah, sure. So um, we have a team, a total of 14. So Vicky and I, um, and then we have two um, full-time staff members. We have a client care manager. Melissa, who takes care of transaction coordination for Vicki and I, and then she also does a lot of kind of big picture projects for the team, coordinating our retreats and, and different things that we're doing. We have a full-time marketing director, and Dee works both with Vicki and I and also with our team agents doing brochures, marketing pieces, flyers, um, anything. We are really very focused on marketing. We're very focused on everything having a very clean, consistent, professional, custom look. Um, and Dee is just a genius at that, and, and she makes us look really good. And then we have 10 agents on our team. Um, we decided to do things a little bit differently when we were setting up our team than, than others. On the, the first team that, that Vicki and I were both a part of when we got into the business was very much the Rainmaker style, and so our names were not on anything. And what we found is that as we grew in our business and as we did more business, as much as we loved the team, we loved the systems, we loved the people, we felt really restricted um, because we couldn't market ourselves, which is such a huge part of what we do. So on our team, all of our agents are able to take their own listings, are able to work with their own buyers. Everything goes in their own name. Uh, for Vicki and I, we primarily work with sellers. Um, it's what I've done the majority of my career, other than in the very beginning. It's where I'm most comfortable, what I enjoy the most. Um, we'll work with some buyers here and there based on past relationships or whatever, sure. but um, but but for the most part, our buyer leads are passed to the team. Okay, and then how, what are they? Are are they limited? Are they free to take listings? Are they free to work sphere deals and there's with oh, different yeah. splits and stuff like that? Yep. Okay. Uh, absolutely, they're they're free to do all of that. What kind so, of numbers does your team do? I mean, if you took September yep. to this September, or just the end of the calendar year last year? Yeah, I actually have. Um, I, I have our first half of this year when we did our mid-year retreat. Um, so for the first six months of this year, we had done 33 million in volume. Um, for our team, um, that is more heavily weighted on buyers. We're about 53% buyers um, as of mid-year. Yeah. Um, of that volume, about 8% was mine. Um, well, 8 million was mine personally, um, just to kind of give a breakdown of 8 million, of, uh, which 8 is million almost 30%. 
yeah, it, that's me. Okay. Um, and then from a transaction point of view, we do track that um, more closely because our goal this year was to help 200 families. Um, and so we're, we're kind of looking at that on a weekly basis as a team. And so I know that uh, so far year to date, um, as of today, we have helped 165 families this year. So cool. we're really proud of that. I like looking at it that way, and that's mm -hmm. the same way we say it as well. So good mm -hmm. work. That's awesome. Thanks. What about your partner? What percentage of the business was her sales and, and volume? Um, right now, not as much. Um, she is dealing with a little bit of a, a family personal health issue sure. um, that she's able to focus on, and so um, just a very small percentage was hers. So for, for our audience out there, you know, I've, I've tooted the horn of <clears throat> when you run a broker team or a CEO model team, and you get away from that rock star model, the team lead and or rock star stops selling altogether and just runs the team. Why is it that you're continuing to sell? When you see the all of the advantages of leveraging and mm -hmm. you know maybe possibly putting your time towards recruiting and training and yeah. coaching, why are yeah. you still in the day-to-day? Because -day? I know a lot of people want to ask that question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a great question. Um, just for right now, this is what works for us. Um, I think that uh, once you get to that point where you're not selling anymore, there's a couple of things that happened. And I saw this when I was managing. Number one is you kind of lose touch a little bit. You're not there in the day-to-day. -day. You're not in the weeds. You're, you're not working face-to-face -face with the, the buyer or the seller. And so you lose a little bit of that credibility, I guess, if you will. Up on um, your agents, you're saying? Yes, um, and relatability, I think, because mm. you're a little bit separated from it. Um, and then also, we are it, it's our team culture is extremely important to us. Um, we are very anti-drama. Um, for a group of all women, you would find that to probably be very strange, but there is no drama, and we will not have drama. Um, and so um, for us, it, it, in order for us right now at this moment to not have to worry about having people on the team because we need their numbers, mm -hmm. it's important for us to be able to sell. At some point, I'm sure that may change, or maybe not. We really love what we do, um, but it's working for us at the moment. Okay. Cool. So, uh, so let's go back to the management broker thing. So, how, how did that come about, and what was that transition like, leaving the business and going to the point where you're just managing agents? Yeah. So, I had been selling at that brokerage for a few years, um, and I was really tired. I was a very bad delegator at that point, um, and I, um, I was doing 50 plus transactions a year all by myself with just a part-time assistant that I could barely delegate anything to. <laughs> And the owner of the company came to me and said, hey, you know what, we're growing. We're at the point that we're ready to hire a managing broker for this office. I'm sure you're not interested, um, but what do you think? And, and I was like, yeah, because <laughs> I was just tired. Um, and so I, I did that for two and a half years. I was not allowed to sell while I was managing. Um, I managed, it ended up being two offices for them and about 125 agents. Um, I really enjoyed that time. The, the transition was... I, I, challenging, I think, um, you know, saying goodbye to clients. Um, in the beginning, it, it didn't feel that hard because I was just so worn out and so burned out that I was just ready to just hand it all over and be finished and do something different. Let's, can um, we pause, Karen, real quick? For, <laughs> yeah. for everyone out there, because they're in the, your shoes right now. When they're listening, yeah. they're like, man, me too. Mm -hmm. I'm exhausted. You know, they're listening to this because they want to change the way they're running their teams. Right. And so when you start looking at your options, you can go into an entirely different career, different yep. sales job, yep. take, take on the broker role, or yep. become a team leader and start a team. Yes. So I really yes. want to hear in this story yes. why you went the broker route and then yes. how you transitioned back into, I'm going to sure. get back into real estate and run a team. 
Yeah, so you are exactly correct, and that was really kind of my mindset at the time was I can't keep going the way that I'm going, so it's either grow a real team. I was kind of part of a team at the time, but we didn't have any central leadership or marketing, and um, it, so it was either start my own thing, do my own thing, or do something else. And at right. the time, I was, you know, Vicki and I hadn't had any of these conversations, and it just didn't, you know, I didn't, that didn't seem to be on the table at the moment, and so going the other direction seemed to make sense. Mm -hmm. um, when it was time for me to get back into the business, um, you know, I had some life changes. My mom passed away. I I needed flexibility to help take care of my father. I have three young sons. I needed to be available for them. And as much as I loved helping and as much as I loved managing, I can honestly say I put in more heartache, more time, more hours as a managing broker than I ever have as an agent. <laughs> so <for laughs> yeah, me, that'll do it. Um, yeah, it was it was time to come back to the field, um, and really I was starting over, which which was challenging. Um, but I am lucky to have a great database and network of clients that I've worked with. I, I was able to keep in touch with them a little bit while I was managing, um, with some mailers periodically here and there. And so basically, I just reengaged. I let everybody know I was back. I did some print ads. I'm back. Um, and and just kind of started that way. And then shortly thereafter, uh, Vicky and I launched the team. Awesome. I'll sp let me speak real quick, Matt. Um, yeah. I want to address that because I know there's a lot of agents, and I was in the same exact boat. I was overworked. Um, I was overpaid and overworked. So I was getting compensated the way I wanted to. Just I was putting in 60 or 70 hours. I had small children as well. By the way, I did Facebook stock you. Anytime we have a guest on, I have to know who I'm meeting with. So you have a lot of the same pictures we have um, on the beach, in front of the, yeah, Disney, and yeah. we also have three kids. Uh, okay. We're 11, 9, and 7 right now. Uh. So you have a beautiful family. Thank you. Um, so, you know, I, I got to the place where I was like, man, am I going to have to do this the rest of my life to continue earning this? And I'm like, I'll put that, I'll put in that sacrifice and miss out on a lot of stuff and be constantly mm -hmm. feeling like I'm attached to my phone and to my clients, but is there a better way? And so mm -hmm. to answer that question, I started going around the country and probably met with the top 50 agents across the country, went to a ton of different brick and mortar offices, and I've told this story a lot. And I started to see that there was a different way. There was a better way where I could work less, leverage on other people, mm -hmm. but provide value like you said you know, have the best marketing, the best tools for your agents, but also look at the clients like we should um, in a, as a customer service relationship to walk them through a process, and that's a, a really great mindset. And so for me, that was the answer. And so I continued selling, similar to what you're doing now, while building the team, but my dream was to one day be able to shut it all off. And in 2013, I actually shut off altogether. I quit selling altogether and just put my focus into building the team. But surprisingly, this year, I decided to just take listings. And it totally went against what I've been like touting for the last several years. But what I started doing was I looked at my time per hour, um, mm -hmm. what I was worth, what my value was, what I was earning per hour for any activity in any business. I own about 10 different companies. And I knew with a listing presentation, I could make $5,000 an hour as long as I turned it over to someone else. So all I'm doing is the listing presentation, mm -hmm. giving it to a listing agent, paying her a 25% referral, and then our listing coordinator takes all the paperwork, does all of that stuff. And so that's been working really nicely for me. So I just thought I'd share that with you. We're, we're not too different. We're real, I yeah. think our businesses are probably really similar. Yeah. No, I, I love that. I, I love what you're saying. And, and, and you're right. I mean, there is a different way. I mean, the, it's the thing that I, that I hear about and talk about. Um, I, I'm founder of the Empowering Women in Real Estate group, and we're on Facebook. We've got close to 3,000 members now. And it is one of the most sought-after topics and most talked-about topics is we're tired and they're, we're getting pulled in a lot of different directions and how do you make sure that you're giving your best to your clients and to your spouse and to your children and, and even to yourself and 
And yeah. so you're right, there is a better way. I feel so much better now than I did three years ago, four years ago in my business. And um, it just, you know, it, it, it can be done. One of the yeah, things I wanted to share with our audience, Matt, while I cut you off is, thanks. you know, I, for my agents, my agents are also tired. You know, anyone doing over 36 deals, I mean, 15 deals a year is, is hard. And each customer, it doesn't matter what price point, what nationality, what location geographically, it's all hard work. I mean, they, they want you at 10 o'clock at night. They want you at 6 o'clock in the morning. They need you to go show a house. Whatever the thing is, it's a lot of work. And all agents have the right, I think, to, to say it's, a, it's tough and it's stressful. And it is. We're responsible for most people's largest purchase or sale ever. And so with that, not only am I taking advantage of the, the rule of leverage to apply it to my team, but I am now, this year, this is the first year we did this, I'm teaching my agents how to leverage as well and hire agents onto their team. So I don't know that there's very many teams in America doing this, but I wanted to give them the exact opportunity that I have as a team leader. And so now they're hiring buyer's agents, listing agents, they're generating internet leads, they're creating marketing service agreements all within my umbrella. And of course, we're running brokerage model teams. You know, you call CEO team, seventh level. Mm -hmm. Even though you're selling, mm -hmm. you're still running a brokerage model team and says, essentially it's a brokerage within a brokerage. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right. And, and I love what you're saying there. And I think that it, it's, it's actually a smart way of doing business. We're kind of evolving, if you will, because at some point agents are going to max out and they're going to top out no matter where they are in the phase of their business. And so if your team is very restrictive or if your brokerage is very restrictive, then they're not going to be able to do that. They're not going to be able to grow. And so eventually they're going to move on. And so yeah. it's nice to be able to have a model where you can keep those great relationships and help people to grow within it just as you're growing yourself. Yeah. What, what I love about Gary Keller's book, um, the one thing that most realtors have read, if you haven't read that book yep. and you're listening to this podcast, guys, that's a no-brainer. The one thing, what I love about it and a focus that we've had from a cultural standpoint is it's not just about the agent making money and hitting their unit sales goals. It's about helping them live the best life they can live. And you mentioned your mother you know, passing just in the, here in the last couple of years. We try to make sure our agents are spending time with their parents, spending time with their kids, building great relationships outside of work. Work, Work's always going to be here. You proved that. You left it and came back and it still was there. You, were, you could rebuild your network. The focus needs to be on our health, spirituality, personal relationships, our businesses, and then our jobs. And I really like the way Gary cuts those up. And so instead of just focusing in our one-on-ones with our agents or our leadership, just talking about the results we're getting, how much money we're making, a big focus for us is helping make sure the agents are putting a focus in those other areas. And we found they're much happier with our team when we're making a focus outside of just earning money and selling houses. And coincidentally, they're selling more houses and earning more money because they're making the other things in their life more important than money. Exactly. So, yeah. All right, so let's talk about uh, the transition from, from selling actively to managing brokers and, uh, the, and, and managing agents in that managing broker role. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's a lot of agents. I mean, 125 yeah. agents in two locations. So, so how did you split that up to where you were putting time into the people where you felt like you could have an impact on them? Uh, rather than just like spending your days putting out fires. <laughs> yes, so it was a lot of putting out fires. I really prided myself though on um, really understanding the agent and being available to them, um, probably to my detriment that it was too much so. I mean I would take calls at 6 o'clock in the morning or 10 o'clock at night or 8 o'clock on a holiday morning um, from my agents. When I was selling, I didn't do that for my, for my clients. So um, for me, my approach was a much more um, kind of customized approach. I don't believe that there is one size fits all anything. And so it was important to me to really kind of understand um, what my agent's goals were and to really work with them um, within their goals, whatever that was, and within their 
skill set, what they were good at, what they enjoyed, um, and so that was really my focus. Um, I tried to spend quite a bit of time doing that business planning, um, you know, coffee with agents, lunch with agents, um, you know, kind of being their person to brainstorm with um, in addition to the fire putting outing. Well, yeah. let me ask you this. Did you, did you focus on, like, if you had a choice of where to spend your time, yeah. Do you spend your time with the people that are producing where you feel like you can help them produce a little bit more or do you focus on the bottom 10, 20% and try to get them producing something rather than nothing? Like where did you where did you put your time at? Um, my focus was on who was willing to put in the work for improvement, whoever that was. So okay. whether that was the top producer who wanted to do more and be more and get more, I answered their phone call just as quickly as I answered the phone call from the person who was brand new or the person who had only sold one house. And then for the people who were brand new or had only sold a couple of houses, um, my time spent with them was really based on were they willing? Were they willing to learn? Were they willing to, to do new things and to try new things? And if they were, then I was absolutely willing to spend my time with them and, and to help them to do that. Very cool. All right. So more of a site like a um, behavioral profile or psychographic kind of way of looking at the, the different agents and coaching them. All right. Yeah, so when you sure. transition back away from that, uh, yeah. obviously uh, you, you went from, you uh, <laughs> sounds like you went from being tired to actually working more uh, with <laughs> agents and managing and supervising and putting out fires and stuff like that. So you, yeah. you decide to go, like you've seen now, you've seen it like from the inside, what mm -hmm. it's like to operate at the broker level. So let me ask you, before we get to like the personal development challenge stuff and maybe going back into the field and different things like that, I'm curious, at the broker level, were, was there tools or resources that you wish you had to make your agents more successful that you didn't have access or you weren't allowed to use? Hmm. You know, that's a great question. Um, I, I worked for a major franchise, um, so that does give you some restrictions that maybe you don't have with the Keller Williams or with a boutique firm like I'm, I'm at now. You, you're limited to what the, um, you know, what the, what the franchise will allow you to do. Um, and so that can be limiting, especially, you know, I think in, in our market and probably in most markets, marketing is what is key, marketing both yourself and marketing your listings for future business. And so when you're limited in how you can market yourself, um, that can be challenging. And so, it, you know, it certainly would have been nice to have had um, more flexibility in terms of signage and, you know, whatever other requirements. Um, now it sounds it, like you've kind of carried that, like that understanding and that, that, that lesson carried over into the new business because it sounds like your agents on your team are free to market themselves as their own personal brand, right? Yes, for sure. In each phase of my career, I really kind of picked up on the things that I didn't love, the things that I felt limited me. And, and with our team, I think we're really conscious of making sure that we're not placing those limitations on our agents. We want them to be free to, to do what makes sense for them and for their business. Yeah, and Jeff, we haven't talked about this a lot, but it's, it's something I've been thinking a lot about lately, just in terms of expansion especially. Mm -hmm. Like as much as we want, like, like we, you know, I mean, anytime you have something that's expanding nationwide, I mean, you want it to be almost like a franchise like McDonald's. You want to just be able to rubber stamp it off into like 100 places around the country. Uh, and you want everything to look the same. Like there's there's a there's a pride. I mean, and, and it's not necessarily like a pride in a negative sense, but there is a pride that comes from looking at something and going, "Hey, I can go anywhere in the U.S. and there's something that I've built in that town, whatever it is." Right. Um, but yeah, I can see from the perspective of the expansion partners, uh, and for anybody listening to this that's expanding nationwide, or look, even if you're wanting to expand off into the other side of town, if you have to partner with somebody, like you want everything to look the same. 
they don't necessarily want that. Like mm -hmm. they want their own thing, and they're mm -hmm. gonna they're gonna feel exactly the way Karen felt, which is restricted mm -hmm. at that level. Mm -hmm. So you either have to really sell them on the opportunity, or mm -hmm. you have to provide a way to like um, I don't know. It, it's I've been thinking a lot about this phrase, the illusion of customization. Mm -hmm. uh, so the the concept of being able to customize it to an extent that they feel like it's custom, but it's really preordained, and there's a limit to the customization. Does that make sense, Jeff? Yep. So I can see, like, as we progress and as we expand nationwide, and as a lot of people are, are listening to this, or looking at, or currently doing the same thing, I think there does need to be some allowances, Karen, for people that felt just like you. Mm -hmm. uh, you're either whether you're on a team, you're on a managing broker, you're you know your team leader, whatever the case is. Like you've now gone to a boutique brokerage firm specifically to get out from under a lot of those restrictions. It sounds like, and we don't want to put our people in the position where they feel like that. Right. You know, you're absolutely. You're absolutely right. Yeah. yeah you're you're absolutely right. Go ahead, Jeff. I was just going to say, you know, you look at my team, for example, you know, I have 20, about 30 agents now full-time in Omaha, uh, about seven admin, and every week we come together on Mondays for an accountability meeting where everyone reports how many calls they made, how many contacts they had, how many appoint new appointments they went on, how many contracts they executed, how many contracts they're negotiating that haven't executed yet, we call those floaters, and then how many new listings that they took. Outside of that, the agent's can do whatever they want, but that's kind of that thing that brings us back that I believe is the foundation that helps them to be successful. It's a constant reminder. There's the peer pressure element that everybody's in the room listing them to report their numbers, but that's a big piece. And then, you know, a lot of our audience knows we have a Wednesday dialogue and call blitz training, and on a Friday, every every Friday we have team training. So we have a few of these foundational pieces that are um, educational, motivational, inspirational, and we're constantly giving content and value. Uh, to keep agents there, agent retention, and also to obviously apply. If the stuff you're teaching them isn't helping them make money, sell houses, then what's the point? Um, I think that you can expand within your city, within your state, or across the country, as long as you have a few key foundational beliefs that you get the people that partner with you to believe in and apply, you can then let them do whatever they want. So I don't understand all the restrictions. Like, Karen, to your point, there are a lot of brokers that don't let the, or teams that don't let the agent put their sign name on the sign. We were one of those for a couple years. I thought, oh, it needs to be the team name. Why? Why can't the agent have their name on the sign? Yeah. What's the name on the sign? Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, I love what you're saying, and, and that's, you, you do have to have that foundation. And so for us, the foundation is minimum marketing requirements. So we have minimum standards. You have to have a certain number of photos. You have to have, you know, our sign. The brochures have to have our look. But you can really do it the way you want to within that. And it needs to have, you know, it, it should have the agent's name on it because otherwise, yeah. what a great way to help them to continue to grow and build their business by getting that name recognition out there. Yep. So, um, you know, I think it really works. And um, one of the things that I think helps us so much is because we are still selling, you know, my focus always and Vicky's focus always is what can we do to improve our own personal business and then how can we give that to our team and how can we package that and make awesome. that a system that our team can then use so that then they're then growing and, and, and building as well. And so, um, yeah. you know, yeah. and that's, that's awesome. exactly what we're doing at the, at the expansion level is anything that we pass on to partners, it all gets tried and tested in the fire of, uh, of Omaha, Nebraska. <laughs> and that's, I mean, I'm doing that on my own team. So, you know, I figured out, I kind of cracked the code of how to generate marketing service agreements to bring in income, to be able to generate leads. And right now we're, we're making over 12,000 a month. Well, I didn't just stop there and hand out those leads to the team and not teach them how to do it. They're also creating marketing service agreements and generating their own leads and getting paid a different split if they're the ones to create the lead and it's not a lead from me. Most team leaders across the country I know of would never teach their agent how to create a marketing service agreement because you're essentially competing against yourself. 
I was willing to do it because I want to do what's best. I want to do for my agent what I would want my leader to do for me, the golden rule, right? And so we're actually living that, we're doing that, and the agents are staying. You know, we have a lot of agent retention and they're selling a lot of houses. So what do I care as long as they're successful? The other thought I had with brokerage models and franchises across the country limiting their agents' ability to market themselves or prospect or whatever the, the rule restrictions might be is your agents are typically going to be creatives. You know, if you go back to the disc test, you have high ISs, your creatives are high I's. So what does that do to them to say, hey, here's this tiny little bubble and you need to operate within this little bubble that we've set for you. They're going to burn out, wash out, they're going to get bored. And so I say let them fly as long as they're, you know, following mm -hmm. our, you know, they're yep. within our main ideas. But outside of that, let go do what you want to do. Yes, absolutely. All right. All right. So, uh, so what were some of the challenges when you went back into the business after being out of it for a couple of years and managing agents and uh, and not having to deal directly with clients? So, what was that like? Uh, yeah. So, you know, I was probably a little rusty. Uh, you know, it's been a long time since I've been on that listing presentation. Um, it, it, you know, it actually was good. It, it was really refreshing because everything was new again. And and I think I needed that perspective. I, you know, it's so easy when we're burned out and when we're tired to to think, oh, this is awful. And I wish I could just sit. Wouldn't it be great if I could just show up somewhere and sit at a desk all day and then go home at five o'clock and well, I did that, and it, that didn't work, and that was not great because when I was doing that, I was, you know, not volunteering as much in my kids' classroom, and I was, you know, more stressed out, and and so now I have a fresher perspective, um, having experienced the the other side. You know, as they say, the grass is not necessarily always greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water it, um, and so now I'm I'm really kind of focused on that and. Uh, and that's been a good thing. I, uh, you know, coming back, it was it was really just getting the word out to everybody and making sure that people knew that I was back in business and I was I was happy to have been embraced again by clients that I had worked with before who felt comfortable again referring to me and working with me. Um, and, and so that that was that was great. What's awesome when you get to your level, Karen, and I would say my level as well, and a lot of team leaders across the country, is that you can start applying Tim Ferriss's. You know, if you've read Four Hour Work Week, he talks a lot about the 80-20 rule. If you look back at your last 12 months, typically 20% of your effort gets you 80% of your results. Mm -hmm. So when you start to know what, what are the clients, and it might be high dollar clients or low dollar clients that are dragging you down, they're the ones constantly bugging you, calling you out, questioning every step of the way. Those are great clients to fire or refer to an agent that you don't like. You don't have to work those, you don't have to work those clients anymore. And especially mm -hmm. when you have your team and you've leveraged, why go yeah. through it? It's not life yeah. is too short, man. And it's amazing. Yeah. I will tell you guys out there because I know no one believes it, and there's the whole scarcity mentality. Probably four out of five people that I say to them, I'll I'd say, hey Matt, dude, I honestly just don't have the time to deal with guys like you. I don't have, you know, I don't personally really feel like we even have hit it off at all. I don't want to work with you anymore. But four times out of five, Matt will totally turn around and respect me for firing him and ask that I please continue working with him and he'll be a totally different person. Yep. For some reason out of the gate they think they can disrespect not only realtors, everyone in their life they're probably disrespecting unless you, you are, call them out. You are absolutely correct. We actually, um, during our team meetings every other week, one of, the, one of our features that we do is kind of a script of the week and so one of our scripts a couple of weeks ago was how to fire someone um, because, <laughs> and, it, and, and honestly and truly, awesome. it doesn't matter if you are you know, kind of where I am in experience level or if you're a year or two in, there is no reason why you shouldn't fire someone who is not a good fit for you. Yep. Uh, you know, I have a friend who um, used to be in the car industry and, and the saying was, it's my favorite, um, is there's an ask for every seat. And it, it's the same with buyers and houses. It's the same with 
you know, consumers and realtors. It's the same with realtors and brokers. So you find your right fit. So just yep. because somebody is not a great fit for me and, and we're not going to mesh, then that's okay. Chances are I know someone either on my team or within my brokerage that they're going to click with and hit it off. Um, but you're also 100% correct about just speaking up for yourself and taking that, that step to say, I don't tolerate this. Um, I remember Vicki had a listing one time and these folks were just so difficult with her and they were so unreasonable. And finally I said to her, you know what, just send them a listing withdrawal. And she did, and they turned around on a dime. Um, it, you know, so it's amazing how when you just kind of, it's something yeah. that we should do more, and I, I talk a lot to my agents and, and when I was managing about establishing yourself, setting the expectations up front, establishing your, yourself as the professional, um, because when you do that, people will respect you, and, and most of them will be much more likely to run over you. If you answer your phone at 7 a.m. or at 10 p.m., then you're teaching them that it's okay to call you at yep. 7 a.m. and 10 p.m. I'm not going to answer my phone before 9 o'clock. Uh, you know, I'm not going to answer my phone after 8 o'clock. And yep. so it's, I, I don't think that's me providing bad service. No, nobody else is open at that time. Business is not being done or conducted anywhere else. Um, so it's not unreasonable for you to have those parameters or for you to have those guidelines and to teach that to your client. Awesome. Here is um, a 30-day challenge for anyone listening to this podcast. Um, for the month of September, I challenge everyone listening to fire one client. Pick your worst client, the one you're thinking about right now, the one you started thinking about right when we started talking about this, and fire them. And we, for anyone that does that, to email me, Jeff, at EliteRealEstateSystems.com. We'll pick the most entertaining story and bring you on the podcast and let you tell thousands of people how you went about firing your client. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope somebody takes takes you up on that, Jeff. I can't We're wait. We're gonna get a bunch of people. Go fire right. your clients, guys. Good. That's right. All right, Karen. So, uh, so remind us of where you are so people can send you referrals, mm -hmm. and then tell us about what's uh, what's kind of the next step. What's your what's your next avenue for growth, or kind of the next uh, big thing that you guys are doing with the team? Yep, sure. So we're in Loudoun County, Virginia. Our office is in Leesburg. We serve all of Loudoun County, Prince William County, Fairfax County, Clark County. So really all of the D.C. metro area um, is our area of service. So always happy to, uh, to uh, uh, work on referrals. And um, as far as what's next for us, um, you know, we, we have started to, to dream and think a little bit about some kind of expansion. We have a member of our team that just moved or is in the process of moving out of state. Um, so we've had a few things that have kind of made us think that maybe that might be a, a, another step for us. Um, really, it's, it's just all about um, continuing to grow and do better and to help our agents to do so. Um, and uh, at the moment, we're just keeping on, keeping on. Cool. Awesome. All right. Well, it'll be interesting to see how the, uh, how the expansion conversation, where that goes. And, of course, keep in touch. And if there's any questions, we can, we can help you out with that. We'd love to help. Um, but yes, yeah, so Leesburg, Virginia, DC metro area. So everybody, send all of your referrals for that area over to Karen. And Karen, what's the best way to reach you if they do have referrals for you? Sure. So my email is Karen at goplatinumgroup.com. Easy enough. All right. All right. And then uh, just to remind everyone, so there's a couple things that stood out to me while we were talking uh, that reminded me. So we've got a, a great, great interview that we recorded last week with Marguerite Crespillo, who's a great agent and coach based out of uh, California. Uh, we talked and went really deep on how to motivate. Uh, lifestyle-oriented agents, especially uh, like Karen, like yourself, with uh, people with kids, whether they're you know uh, 
fathers that have primary custody or whether they're married or whether they're single moms or whatever, but there's uh, there's a lot of people how, who really just they want to do that two to four deal a month range and how do you motivate them and how do you like keep things um, keep them kind of in the game mentally and how do you kind of help them shrink the number of hours it takes for them to make the income that you want. We went super deep on that. That interview will come out just here in a couple of weeks. I want to let everyone know about that to keep an eye out for it. Um, and then if you want, everybody wants to go to EliteRealEstateSystems.com, you can check out uh, how to partner with us for expansion if you're interested in that or if you want to visit us in Omaha. Jeff, you want to give people just a quick yeah. one-minute uh, overview of the we workshop? Had a huge group the other day. So what happened was back in 2014, I hosted about 50 people that visited Omaha for free. Uh, what that looked like was like two or three hours of me just brain dumping all over people and not having really any systematized process in helping transfer information. And so we decided to take it a step further for people that really want to take their businesses seriously and build a team. And that can be adding three agents, that could be adding an admin person, or it could be expanding into 20 markets, whatever building a team means for you. And so we have a formalized process where you fly in on a Sunday night and you spend all Monday with me and my entire staff. Um, you get to attend all of our, our, train, our team training, uh, an accountability meeting, you get to see what a one-on-one -on -one looks like with our success manager. You spend three hours with me going over uh, culture, leads, accountability, lead conversion, different processes and strategies we've implemented to zero base our marketing fees and our admin expenses and just tons of value chopped into one day. It's $3,000 and that also includes access to our private Facebook group which is everyone that's paid to come to the workshop and that also includes our Google Drive which contains all of our intellectual property that we've created over the last 10 years. Um, Karen, you coming on and being a guest on our show gets you free access to our workshop. So if you'd ever like to come and check that out, we'd love to host you. Uh, we love having top agents from across the country being here. We've hosted Josh Smith. I just had Brett Tanner here yesterday. Uh, Tim Heil and his staff are coming next month. Uh, a lot of top agents from across the country are open and willing to mastermind and learn and help each other. So that's been really great as well. So anyone listening uh, that feels like this could be a good fit for you, get it on your calendar. You can go check out the dates. We have all the upcoming dates through the end of December at EliteRealEstateSystems.com. Uh, just click on the workshop link and there's a little dates opportunity uh, click or link there to be able to see what dates are uh, the workshops coming up on that's right all right well with that said let's uh, wrap this one up send it home thank you again to uh, to Karen for joining us and everybody for for listening and watching depending on whether you're on YouTube make sure to hit subscribe uh, so if you're on YouTube or if you're on iTunes or Stitcher whatever your platform is for listening or watching the show make sure to hit subscribe so you get future episodes delivered to you automatically and until then uh, we'll see everyone in the next episode thanks again Karen. thank you bye